Today I'll be delivering um, a bit of a sabbatical report, answering the same questions that Raul and Anna did, kind of looking back and looking forward. We're celebrating our birthday as a church, which is our, our 10th birthday, feels very significant. Um, we're also launching a sermon series called Portrait, Representing Christ in Our City. This uh, sermon series was really launched uh, by what the Spirit of God gave to our senior pastor, Richard Dostrom, about a year ago, or just uh, just under a year ago, it was for a while we were calling it represent or we were calling it reframe, but all of it was based around this idea that for many people they reject the idea of following Christ or reject Christ himself, not on the merits of Christ or even the scriptures, but on how they see Christianity presented in our city. How they've seen Christianity you know, misrepresented in followers' lives or in hurts. And oftentimes people have rejected Christ, not for Christ, but because of the church. So Richard wanted to just get back. What's the good news about the gospel? If people truly don't reject Jesus based on the real him, they reject a false Christ. It's a distortion. Then the chances are they've never met the real Jesus, which is the truth. So during the sermon series, we're going to be doing portraits of truth, looking at places where the gospel has been distorted, and then what is the truth that Jesus wants to give us. Last week, Pastor Richard gave a message that we sent out in our e-newsletter. If you're not getting our weekly email, then you can send a message in. We'll make sure that you're on that email distribution. It's a great message. I encourage you to watch it. Richard kicked off the sermon series on on portrait, representing Christ in our city. Um, And and what he did in that message was he he quoted uh, Sir Major Thomas, who was a mentor to him, said that Christ... uh, didn't come to get us into heaven, but came to get heaven into us. He, he, he said there's been this distortion that the gospel is all about our eternal destiny and just getting people to sign up so that we can get to heaven someday. And, and in that distortion, there's been a lot of really hurtful things that have happened. The truth is, as Richard preached last week, is the gospel is about wholeness now. Richard, you shared from 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God sanctify you through and through now, through wholeness in Christ. And so to follow Christ is to give our life over to him and say, yes, at the end of my days, I know I will see Christ face to face, but there's so much more today than just waiting for eternity. I want today to be filled with your spirit, God. I want to be transformed now. So today, in the moments that we have, our title of the message is called Don't Waste a Thing. And I want to just look at Ephesians 2 to kind of reflect a bit on my sabbatical and to dream a bit about the future. Uh, The temptation for me is to tell you three months of stories right now or all the things I want to say. I've been nervous. I've been excited. Do I run around the audience? Do I, you know, get all like crazy? And it's like, deep breathing, Scott. Slow down. You've got many years to get all these stories out of you. So we've got some time to just pause and reflect. Interestingly enough, when I went into sabbatical, my spiritual mentor, a man up in Burlington I meet with every month, he gave me one piece of text to reflect on during sabbatical. Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. So I read those pretty faithfully through the first month of sabbatical. So to come back and be teaching on it feels like a full circle moment. So let me, let me um, show you some pictures from sabbatical, and then we'll launch into some of this Ephesian stuff. I'm so grateful for the way in which Bethany sent me to experience three months 
really of some travels, but mostly time with my family, time to be restored, time to be uh, renewed. It was so important for me, so necessary. So we had a big party here in June. We had a barbecue, and then the next day, July 1st, my sabbatical started, and I drove out to the Washington coast and hiked about 25 miles down the coast on the Pacific Coast Trail. North ended up in La Push. So for three days, I was solo, you know, just hiking along these beachheads and setting up, you know, camp at night and literally spending three days without talking to any other humans, which is, you know, kind of the voices in my own head. It was a very powerful time. I came back, and on the 5th of July, our family took kind of the one big trip we were going to take. We flew out to Wisconsin and the Midwest and went to Lake Michigan, spent some time in Chicago, got to take our kids to Hamilton and see just creativity on display. We spent a week at a lake house in Spokane with our friends, and really a key uh, moment um, of sabbatical, key relationship was just really restoring things with Heather that weren't broken, but just being able to focus on her. I'm so grateful for her. Um, we spent a lot of time just in Washington. This is on Whidbey Island picking blueberries. This is Bellingham, just driving around, taking selfies of ourselves. you know. Um, it was just fantastic because really what God wanted to do was just refresh me. On Monday of this week, my last day of sabbatical, I went out to the end of the Mount Baker Highway and did the Chain Lakes Loop hike. And this is kind of nearing the second half of the hike as I descended down into this final saddle. It was an amazing time for me to start sabbatical out in nature, a three-day hike, to end sabbatical out on a hike where God just, just met me there and just renewed me and restored me. What I really want to tell you, I've got so many stories that I want to tell you. I don't, you know, I used to play college football. None of that matters anymore. Like, I don't need to tell you old stories. Like, so many new stories I get to tell you. But I really just want to tell you, um, I'm really refreshed and renewed and excited for the season ahead. God really took the summer to restore me. Out on the hike, God, um, you know, the third day, like I hadn't spoken to anyone. And if you've done solo hiking, I hadn't done a lot of that. Um, it's interesting. And after a while, you're like, man, I, there's just, I almost need to listen to music or listen to a podcast because after three days, I was just ready to hear some other voices other than my own. And and uh, I started listening to some podcasts I'd saved on my phone around, around the Enneagram, around my type, around how God made me to be. And, and I heard a man reflecting on his journey in Christ, but it felt like the Lord was speaking to me. And in this podcast I was listening as I'm finishing up my hike, but really a lot of the restoration happened almost immediately of just getting out on that beach and just getting time with the Lord and getting time out in nature. But in this podcast I was listening to, the Lord just kind of, just, you know, kind of zinged me with the Holy Spirit. The man said this, he said, you know, for him, like I'm sharing this as my story now, for me, Scott, I needed to learn to stop asking what I could do for God. I can't do anything for God. But instead, God's hungering for what he can do with me. And that, that was a huge distinction for me over sabbatical. That I could just, for the summer, kind of, you know, set aside this idea that I was going to do things for God. You know, we started the church for God. We're going to invite all these people for God and do all this for it. It's, it's nonsense. It leads to exhaustion. It leads to pride. But God says, if you're hungry and you're humble, there's so much I want to do with you. It's a different posture. One is achieving, the other is a receiving. 
So over sabbatical, God really opened my heart to just receiving and to stay in this teaching that I can't do anything for him. I can do everything with him. And so when I'm out on this hike uh, uh, on Monday, getting ready to come back to work on Tuesday, I was feeling pretty nervous. I was feeling pretty um, excited, but just like, ah, there's so much, you know, all these people and relationships and hundreds of emails and all this and that. And uh, God just said, you know, Scott, when you get back there, just show them your heart. Just tell them the things that I've shown you over the summer and take your time. Where you're going is going to be really good. Just take your time to get there. So what I want to do is what I, some things that God showed me this summer. What did I see God do this summer? Like Anna and Raul just shared. And then I'll move into this. What am I excited about? And we'll get to a conclusion. What did I see God do this summer? Well, as I mentioned, I was reading Ephesians 2. I didn't even know God was preparing me for the launch of this series. But it ties into exactly what Paul is talking about in this text. That there's a distortion that Christianity is all based on this us versus them conquest mentality. And the truth is that the gospel brings people together and it serves all through invitation. Look what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember, formerly you're Gentiles by birth. You're called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate. You were outside from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel foreigners to the covenants of the promise you are without hope you are without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ and what Paul is is saying here is that this us versus them conquest mentality really is, is is debunked because there's nothing we can do for Christ there's nothing that we can do to earn ourselves forgiveness. There's nothing that we can do to, to earn our way into atonement, but it's all about receiving what God wants to do. And the key word that I want to kind of put on our hearts this morning is this word invitation. We've been invited into something that Jesus has already done. We've been invited and over and over again during sabbaticals, I, was, I would journal and I would read text and I would rest and we would hike and spend time together. There was this kind of re- renewal of my identity that nothing I could do for him, everything I could do with him, all of it was response to invitation. And invitation is where our renewal comes from. Invitation is where our restoration comes from. Invitation is where I remember that each and every day God has given me a gift in the people that I share my home with, people that I work with, in the scriptures. If I'm looking at life through the lens of invitation, then God is is wooing me and drawing me and saying, there's so much more I have for you. There's so much more. Don't get swept up into this naive notion that all you can see is all that exists. Oh, there is powers and principalities, and the Spirit of God is is moving in us and through us, and God is saying, wake up. You're invited to so much more. You can't do anything for me, so just drop the guilt trip or or drop the the endless workaholism. No, but you've been invited, so respond to that and, and say yes to that. That's where I felt like God was speaking to me this summer in my journal on the 27th of August. God just kind of said, hey, I'm going I'm to tell you some things. I didn't write every day. Some of these are, are down days. Some of these are, are good days. But on the 27th of August, 
God was saying, hey, I, I want to remind you a little bit, Scott, if you can find it. Now I found it. I, about your identity. The story is one of inescapable grace. I write here, I am caught up on the 27th of August. I am caught up in a love story beyond my own making or my own power. So I need to continue to find my identity in Christ. Stop asking what I can do for God. Start asking what I can do with God. We have an incomplete church, I write. Oftentimes we follow the wrong metrics about numbers or about money given. But the right metrics would be lives connecting with God's love. So what is the basis of the Christian faith I'm after? It's that we are loved. Not exclusion, but invitation. That was, a, that was an important reminder for me. And it's so interesting how coming back and being handed this text and being handed this story, God's saying, keep telling those stories. This group has been invited into deeper fellowship with me. What am I excited about when I dream about the future? Today is a birthday of sorts. Ten years we've been gathering as a church. What are we dreaming about next? Well, for that, we're going to keep in this Ephesians 2 message about inclusion and invitation. Look at Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. For Christ himself is our peace. He, he's made two groups one. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, there's that word again, in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. When you get into Ephesians, and particularly Ephesians 2, it's critical to see that the gospel is meant to take antagonistic groups and make them one, to stay in unity, to live in peace, Paul says, over and over and over again. And so when we look at our lives as invitation, when we realize the gospel is not just about where I might end up someday, but invited to experience all that the Spirit wants to do today, then invitation creates deeper relationships. And it means our relationships here matter. Here the church, here our families, here at work, yes. During sabbatical, we didn't attend a Bethany church. We attended some other churches, and then sometimes we didn't attend church. Because popping into random churches where we knew no one, it didn't feel all that meaningful. And I was reflecting even in the last couple of days, when we lose relationship with those we worship with, the gathering doesn't feel very meaningful. So Paul says the invitation of the gospel is that we have to work counterculturally to make our relationships matter and our relationships fundamentally better. Because as we love each other well, then we're doing this work that Christ did in his body of taking the two different groups to make a new humanity. As we love each other well, we're actually giving credit to Christ. I don't have the power to love my neighbor well, but Christ in me makes me better. I'm invited to live better than I can live with them. Can't do anything for him. Want to do everything with him. 
There's access to relationship. And I think here of the peacemaker, where Paul says, peace, 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 peace. It's not the UN you know, worker in the, in the forerunner or the jeep out in the desert. No, it's the peacemaker in this text is the Father God who runs for us, who comes for us and says, I don't know what hurt you're holding on to. I don't know how tired or how encouraged you are this morning, but you all have been invited. So don't waste a thing. Uh, don't waste it. Because you can live fully now in the life that I've already given you, says God. I think that's some of me turning 45 just a couple weeks ago, which is pretty old for a young guy like Scott maybe. But, you know, like these days matter. And I used to spend a lot of time wondering what I would become. Instead of now, I'm trying to just realize who I already am, fully invited to the life that Christ has set before me. So it's in my actual relationships of seeing the invitation for more intimacy and truth and joy that Christ can live in us. And when I think about the church, we launched 10 years ago, and you know, there's people in this room that were there that day. They're called plank owners. And 10 years ago, that they you know, kind of helped start a church. There was 75 of us at Richmond Highlands, and then we moved over to the Spartan Gym, and then we moved here, and you know, who knows we'll be, how long we'll be here. But the point is... The church mattered. We were going to be the church. That's what he said. It's not a building. We don't own the building. It's a people. We've got to matter to each other. Let's make t-shirts that say be the church. Let's, water bottles would be a good idea. You know, we got, we got the gear. We don't have a building. We have to be connected to each other in relationship. And at times when I think about 10 years, man, we've really, we've, we've, We've made new ground responding to the invitation, but at times we've missed it, where people come and dwell among us and leave and feel disconnected. We have to matter one to another. I spent a couple months just refueling and restoring and being renewed, but I stand before you ready for the next 10 years, ready for the next 25 years. Be the church still matters to me. I still believe that the local gathering anchored in actual relationships and worship to God, responding to his divine invitation, I believe it still matters. And so may you know your identity is the invited one, the one that can't do anything for him, but can do everything with him. And may you learn to belong to each other I know it's really hard, but if you don't belong to each other, you'll feel really lonely here. We need to be more connected. I, I don't know, like when I think about 45 years from now, I'm standing here at 90 with my cane, and I'm, be the church, it still matters. You know, I, don't, I don't know how many more years or decades I have. I hope there are many, but I do know that instead of just living for the end, I want to respond to the invitation for today. My life on mission for his life. This day, responding to this invitation to live my life with intentionality and purpose and better relationships that give credit to God. That's what I want our church to be in these next 10 years. And so in conclusion, let's look here at the end of our text where Paul says, consequently, you're now a, you're a citizen. The work is done. You belong here. You're part of the church. Be the church. Paul says it's done. He, he, earlier in the text, he says it's by grace you've been saved. He says it twice. Then he comes to verses 19 through 21, Ephesians 2, and says, consequently, it's a big word. 
And in Greek, you know what it means? Consequently. It means it's a finished work. You're no longer foreigners. You're no longer a stranger. You're no longer inside or outside. You're citizens with God's people. Look at that with word. I love it. With God's people and also members of his household. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself. There's that with again. Can't do it for. We do everything with with God's people, with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. What I love here is that it's almost a mixed metaphor, but Paul says, it's finished work. You're no longer a foreigner, stranger. You're a citizen. It's done. You're invited. Because of Christ's death, life, and resurrection, we have new power. We have new access to the Spirit. We have new life. We've been invited. It's done. You can't do anything for him. But in him, you are being built. It's a present, active, indicative Greek word, which means the work continues together. We have to be the church together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It's not a building, it's a people. The spirit of God wants to dwell in us, his people, together. And this is this, like, it's brilliant and beautiful and awe-inspiring that the work is done and yet it continues, that it's finished and yet I still have invitation, that I can't do anything for, but I can do everything with. God, I want to respond to an invitation like that. I want to be part of something bigger than myself. I don't want to just go to church. I want to be to church. I don't want to just work at a church. I want to be part of a movement. I want to have the spirit of God in me so that my neighbors look at me and say, this guy is weird, but I want what he wants. I want to have a, a relationship with God where my kids don't just get nagged to death by me in morning devotions, but they say, that's the power source. I want to have better relationships. I want to say the stuff I believe in my actual living it out. And I'll fail, and so each and every day is a divine invitation. Okay, didn't make it yesterday. Thank goodness it's a finished work, and I'm already a citizen of a most high kingdom. Today, God, will you make me more like you? A new dwelling, a new source for your power to live within. Is anyone else for another 10 years, are you in for that? Does anyone else want a church like that, a power like that? Yes, you and me, let's do it. The others will come with us. It's got to be bigger and better with just connection to each other and connection to God. And so when I look at what this staff did in my absence and what we continue to do, I mean, it, it's amazing. They keep working. And we're, we're humans trying to do God's work, so at times it looks very human. But when it's good and we're pointing to the Most High God, we say, ah, they're responding to the invitation. Don't waste a thing. As the band comes back up and prayer team members come, um, I'll just tell you that Monday uh, of this week was kind of a special end cap to the sabbatical. I came back to work Tuesday, October 1st. It was really sweet. Raul and I and our executive pastor, Kendi, we had breakfast. And then Raul and I just sat for hours telling stories. And then I went back up to the north office at One Cup, and the whole staff, Michelle and others, threw me a surprise party. They had my favorite food, and they had... Um, they actually, they really know how to treat people well. They do team really well. They had a banner. 
They went into my office and they wrapped every single thing in my office with wrapping paper and a ton of scotch tape. My stapler, the paper clips, the chair. So I'm still unwrapping. It's like, oh yeah, it's a gift to be back at work. There's still so much. Come stop by, help me unwrap things, you know. But it was so beautiful to just get together and tell stories about how they'd been responding to invitation, about what they've been seeing God do in their life. They're hungry too. God is, is waking us up to something deeper in our lives. And so on Monday, the day before all this, I was feeling pretty, pretty angsty, actually. I was nervous and uncertain, and sabbatical was so good, so good for my marriage and my kids and my heart, and I was ready to come back. I really was. I'm, I'm ready. I'm incomplete, but I'm ready to be here with you. But I, I journaled, and I was telling her, I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to do to have the perfect ending day. I could go, you know, fish the Akamar. I could do this. Like, I can put too much pressure on myself sometimes. And it wasn't even for, like, the Instagram. Like, it was just for me. I just wanted to do something good. And I woke up that morning, and I just felt this, like, peace. That God's like, yeah, just, just go north and do that hike you wanted to do. Drive to the end of the Mount Baker Highway. Get off early and drive the side roads. Make the long drive. Get out to the end. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to finish or not. It doesn't matter. And I got out there, and it was just beautiful. And when I was out there, I wrote these words. God, I want to make the most of every opportunity afforded me. I don't want to waste a minute. I don't want to waste a thing. May we be a church that lives with intention. May we seek Christ in such powerful ways that we're just hungry for more and more of a spirit in our lives. So don't want to play church. I want to encounter the living God with other people. Ways we fail, I'm sorry, but I'm ready to get up and respond to this invitation with you again and again and again and again. I want to encourage you. There's people in this room this morning that are tired. May Christ be your rest. There's people that are weary. May Christ wake you up. There are people that are encouraged. May Christ sustain you. May we be responding to this invitation in our lives each and every day. I don't want to waste a thing. And some of you are sitting here this morning like, I need a new thing. I need a new thing. After the first service, one of our prayer ministers like, Scott, God just said, you need to keep inviting people in. You're talking about invitation. So I want to pause here for a moment, and um, I'd like you to bow your heads in prayer with me right now. I want to ask the Spirit of God to continue to do what the Spirit is doing, and so fill this room and fill your hearts. I want today to be a day that your life feels encouraged. And I know that there are a few people in this room that want a new relationship with Jesus Christ. They're tired of going at their own. They're tired of trying to do things for God. They want to do things with God. And so while our heads are bowed, and 
If the Spirit of God is, is moving you this morning to respond in that way, if there's something in you stirring that just say you want a new touch of the Holy Spirit, you want to start over with Jesus Christ, you want to change the life you've been living, Jesus says your entire life can be changed in a moment's notice as you respond to this invitation. While our heads are bowed, if that's you this morning, I want you just to raise your hand. If you want something new with Christ in your life, if you want to be renewed, if you want to be refilled, repurposed, restored, your God sees you, and your God loves you, and your God is saying to you right now, peace, peace. Peace. You responded to the invitation. Well done. You didn't want to waste a thing. Way to go. Let's do this life deeper and deeper again and again and again. Thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for those in the room this morning that are hungry and thirsty for you. May your spirit fall on them And may they get connected to other humans and walk this journey out so they don't have to walk alone. Lord, we confess that in places where we miss it in our gatherings and it becomes places of isolation and loneliness, we repent of that. All of this, God, is for your glory. So we've set the table for you to be here in our presence, and we're so glad you're here. Lord Jesus, move us to be people responding to your invitation each and every day for deeper renewal and deeper relationships and more peace. Lord Jesus, we say yes. We love you. And all God's people said amen. Will you stand with us as we close in song? Happy birthday, Bethany North. It's been 10 years. I hope God gives us many more years together. I'm glad to be your pastor. Glad to be back.